Lola, written by Eric Lee Garcia, audiobook version. Plot synopsis. Alejandro draws closer and closer to the mystery of an untamed animal with the family's help. Eric meets Rosie's best friend. George's true intentions are revealed. Extra thoughts. I had the idea for this chapter since 2015. I didn't come around to writing it until late November 2020. This is one of those chapters that's very dear to me. This chapter would definitely be in my top five chapters written. Lola was and always will be someone I cherish and adore. On the other main storyline, the story picks up immediately after with John and Villarreal. The stakes only get bigger and bigger as we are now three chapters away from the finale. Let's begin. Disclosure, let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. 1. Mike's Burial, Epilogue. 2. The Tracking. 3. Wendy's. 4. Finding George. 5. The Unexpected Dinner. 6. The License Plate. 7. The Park Chevy. 8. Mike's Burial, Epilogue. Scene 1. Mike's Burial. Epilogue. 9.41pm. The 28th of November 2048. We see George. Take a deep breath as he puts his phone down. He leaves it in the car as he exits the vehicle. He stares into the distance as the moonlight is the only light that can be seen in the dark sky. He starts walking slowly towards the graveside of Mr. Black. He continues walking in that direction and he stops right before he approaches the proximity of the grave as we can see a shovel sticking out the ground which is where the actual grave is. He stares all around looking to see if anyone can see him. He doesn't see anybody or hear anything for miles. He pulls out a cigarette and lights it. He inhales rather impatiently and a small smoke cloud can be seen around him. George. Damn it. He inhales the cig again. George, I forgot my phone. It's too quiet. I don't like too quiet. He inhales the cig as he exhales and we see a zoom in of the cigarette held firmly between his fingers. He walks back to the car continuing to pick up and inhale the cig. He is now standing in front of his car and he holds the cig in his mouth to reach into the car. We see him grab the phone as the cigarette slips out of his mouth and lands on the ground. He stares blankly at the cigarette with a sigh of relief as he closes the door. George, ah shit. It could have landed in the fucking car. My seat could have caught fire. Or worse. George, you lucky son of a bitch. You were this close to fucking up your baby. You barely got it back and you were ready to mess it that quick. Ha ha. Let's see just how dead this motherfucker is. He stands still as he stares at the dirt path that lies ahead with the warehouse on the far right. The camera pans back and opens up on George, wearing a jacket walking up and down the street in a neighborhood. He continues walking as we hear thunder in the distance 9.39pm. The 10th of April, 2043. George continues walking as we see a young boy on a scooter 
The camera goes to the young boy on a scooter as he moves along the sidewalk. He stops slowly and then pushes himself with his left foot. He continues going down the sidewalk as he stands outside of a house. The scooter is placed down on the side as the boy pulls out a piece of chalk out his pocket. He begins drawing something on the sidewalk. It looks like a smiling cartoon face. The boy smiles as he then picks up his scooter and begins going down the sidewalk. He continues riding as we see the boy lose control of the scooter and falls to his side. He must have gone over an overly open crack on the sidewalk. These type of sidewalks existed only in neighborhoods where people didn't give a fuck. The type of neighborhood where it probably wasn't safe to walk outside alone at night. A man in a jacket wearing a hoodie over his head stands in front of the boy. George, do you need a hand? Boy, ow. Yeah, yeah I could use a hand. I think I might need a band-aid on my knee. That shit hurted bad. The city doesn't care about us. The city doesn't care about us kids possibly getting hurt out here. George, then helps the boy up as the boy smiles. Boy, thanks stranger. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen you up and down this neighborhood. George, I don't. I don't live in this neighborhood. I just come here because of the peacefulness and the quiet. Boy, oh. You must be new to the city. George, I, I am new. Boy, no worries. I can tell you this. This neighborhood, this neighborhood isn't safe. There's gangs here and over there. You shouldn't be out here. George, what a foolish man I've been. I'll be on my way then. Boy, okay. Thanks for helping me up though. You're a good person. The boy picks up his scooter and begins going back in the opposite direction. George, then pulls out a gun and points it at the boy. Pow. The boy falls off of the scooter and lands on the ground as George approaches the boy. The boy lays with his face on the ground as a puddle of blood begins forming around himself as George begins walking back in the opposite direction as the screen goes black. Scene 2. The tracking. 12.46pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens up with Alejandra and company arriving at the scene with Villarreal and John. Alejandra parks his vehicle right outside of the tire shop as the worker is already placing the new tire on John's vehicle. Don Rogelio exits the vehicle from the passenger seat right behind Alejandro. Don Rogelio, what the fuck happened? Villarreal, I spoke to him. Don Rogelio, for what? Villarreal, I just wanted to speak to him. He was your son Sharp, and I always felt like his uncle. He clearly has issues and I thought I could talk about it with him. Alejandra, did he give you anything? Villarreal. He just told me that we all should be worried. Alejandra. Did nobody else get here on time? Villarreal. George. Had gotten here already but Mike. Had snipers watching him as I figured. Alejandra. Well he'd be a fool if he stepped out in public with no sniper. You would think somebody would have put him to rest by now. 
We should have been the ones to make sure he stopped breathing when he was in that casket. Don Rogelio. It's not your fault my boy. He, he clearly has people that don't want him to die. For whatever reason, they want him alive. I can see how Villarreal would want to speak to him or maybe even speak sense into him but he's, he's far too corrupted. No matter how much we'd want to save him, he's not worth saving. He needs to, he needs to be put down. Alejandra, he needs to be put down as soon as possible. Did anybody follow him? Villarreal. I had one of the guards that always follows us. Follow him. Let me give him a call. No worries. Villarreal. Begins dialing and raises the phone to his ear. Don Rogelio. How much that he doesn't answer the phone call? Villarreal. It just keeps ringing. Don Rogelio. That guy's dead. Villarreal. No worries. Plan B Alejandra. What's plan B? Villarreal. When I was talking with him inside of the restaurant, I was giving him some advice and I grabbed his arm before he stormed off. That's when I planted the tracker. Alejandra. Villarreal. And trackers hub. Villarreal. I never have any on me but this one time I did. I wasn't wasting the opportunity. Alejandra. Let's move people. Black signal is tracking as we speak. We'll have before sundown. Would someone call George? Please? John. I've called him three times and he never called me back. Alejandra. Why have a phone and not even answer? Alejandra. George? George. What's up Don? Alejandra. Where are you? George. I followed Black. I tailed him and I know where he is hiding. Alejandra. How did you tell him? You saw him leave the diner? George. I was parked on the other side but my phone died. I saw that Villarreal. Sat down in the diner with him and then Black. Walked out and left. I even saw when one of his guys popped John's tire but my phone died and I was curious why none of them did anything. I assumed he had a sniper following him. Alejandra. Well. He did. You did good George. But there's no need to follow him anymore. George. Why? Wait. What the fuck is this? A loud glass breaking is heard along with the struggle of swords. Alejandra. George? 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 Is everything alright? George? No audible sound. Alejandra. George? A deep breathing is heard in the background. Alejandra. Mike? Mike? Poor little George. He thought he was going to be a hero. What a tragedy, isn't it? Alejandra. I'm coming for you Mike. And when I get my hands on you, you will feel my wrath. Mike. I can't wait to see that wrath. Let's hope George is able to survive until then. The call ends and we see Black. Place the phone into his pocket. He then pulls out it quickly and holds it in his hands. Mr. Black. Let's see how Don Alejandro will find his little protege. Here. You're driving the van with this asshole. You take his phone. In case he acts up, you call Alejandro. And have George. Beg for mercy haha. -ha. He hands the phone to Black's man 1.
he accepts the phone from Black. As several of his men begin moving out into action. Mr. Black. Let's pack our things. We can't take any risks. Black's man one. Where do we go from here boss? Mr. Black. You all go the house. Get ready. Get prepared. A war may be coming. Black's man one. Are you coming with us boss? Mr. Black. Number. I am. I need to make a couple of stops before I go catch up with you all. Black's man 2. The plague? Mr. Black. No not the fucking plague. Someone else. Don't even worry about where I'm going to begin with. Just move. They pick up George's body and toss him into a van. They then proceed to handcuff him to a bar inside the van. The handcuffs can be heard clicking as George starts waking up the doors close quickly george then tries to break out of the handcuffs and sees what little spaces in the window that mr black is telling his men what to do george come on george break out of the handcuffs george pulls hard but is still unable to escape the scene switches back to alejandro and everyone else outside of the tire shop. Alejandra. Mike. Has George. Don Rogelio. He didn't kill me or Villarreal. But he'll kill George. For sure. Alejandra. I need men. Call Frieza. And tell her to bring her men to join us. Keep the signal on black. Villarreal. Villarreal. It should give me an actual location in another 2 or 3 minutes. Alejandra. Hey wait. What about George's phone? Villarreal. You want me to track that too? Alejandra. Yes. Do it. My best bet is that they're going in complete opposite directions. If we're lucky. They're in the same place 33 minutes later. The scene the changes to Alejandro. Speaking to everyone at Don Rogelio's. We see John. Marco. Villarreal. A couple of police officers, Antonio, Frieza, and a couple of other unnamed men almost cramped up in the living room. Alejandra, we have two locations. We have one moving location and one location that has stayed still for quite some time. I suggest one stroke three of all of us follow the moving location. The other one stroke 3 will go with me while the other one stroke 3 is on standby somewhere in between. We can't be too sure. Villarreal. Which one is moving? Alejandra. The tracker says that George's location was moving but has stayed still for some time. The other one hasn't moving much and it's closer. They are not that far away from each other. They are both within 20 miles of the other so far. John. Who goes where boss? Alejandra. Myself. John. And a couple of Villarreal's men will go after Black's tracker. Frieza. Antonio. And Villarreal. Will follow George's signal. Marco. And several of Villarreal's men will be on standby somewhere in between in case anyone of us need them. We can never be too sure. I don't doubt that Mike has George's phone in case we call again. Any questions? No one is to lay a finger on Mike. If you all get to him, only one man has the right to kill him. One man. 
I'll make sure he stops breathing before he hits the ground. Understood? Let's move people. Time's against us. Everyone nods. Freezer. Best of luck Don Alejandro. Alejandra. Best of luck sweetheart. Be careful out there. I might lose one of my best men but I cannot. I cannot lose you too. Freezer. I'm always careful. Don't you know by now how careful I am? Alejandra. Everyone keep each other updated. Let's move people. Don Rogelio. Who should I go with? Alejandra. I think it'd be better if you just hang back. It's too dangerous and I don't want to see you get hurt. Don Rogelio. Pish posh. I'm going. I have to go. I. I must go. Alejandra. I don't think it's safe. You have already been in the hospital once this year. I would hate for you to possibly end up there again because of all this. Don Rogelio. Fine. Fine. You're right. You're absolutely right. I guess I'll stay back. Alejandra. Good. Don Rogelio. I hate this. Alejandra. It's better this way. Everyone enters their vehicles with their doors closing and the vehicles turning on one by one as the screen goes black. Scene 3. Wendy's. 6pm. The 13th of June 2014. We see a parking lot for a Wendy's. We see Eric. Waiting outside on a bench. One person enters minding their own business and barely pay any attention to him. A couple of moments later. Two people enter staring at him as if he didn't belong there. Eric. Rolls his eyes making sure they don't see him. He taps his leg on the bench almost nervously. His phone starts ringing. Eric. Hello? Rosie. We're barely on our way Eric. Eric. Oh. Okay. Me too. You guys will probably beat me there haha. Rosie. Cool. Cool. We'll see you in a bit. Eric. Voice over. I have. I have been waiting here almost 15 minutes. It's a good thing it's not that hot outside. I cut the grass yesterday and my lungs were burning up so bad. Cutting grass just isn't something I'm into. Not now and I don't think ever. I've never met Lola. I feel a little nervous. I've seen her before but not like this. I wore my tuxedo shirt to feel cool. What if they think I dress like a loser? Did I put on deodorant? Dang it. Yes. Yes I did. I think this shirt's cool. What did I get last time I ate Wendy's? It must have been years since I ate Wendy's. I think I got a baconator. Yeah it might have been that. I think that's them. A car pulls into the parking lot as Eric stands up and dusts his pants in case they got messy from the bench. Lola by the kinks begins playing. Rosie and Lola exit the car as Eric watches them. He places his hands in his pocket nervously and shuffles through his pockets. He almost stares at Lola as she exits the car wearing a white blouse with tight jeans. He notices her smile as she smiles as both Rosie and Lola run towards him. Her hair flows almost majestically and eyes sparkle as if she were an angel from above. Eric 
gets so phased that he doesn't hear Rosie calling him. Rosie. Eric. Eric. The music continues but not as loudly. Lola. The creepy clown. Hey. The music cuts immediately. Eric. Nice. Nice to meet you. I'm Eric. Eric. Waves oddly as if wanting to extend a hand but he wasn't sure how to say hi to her. Eric. Oh hi Rosie. Haha. <laughs> my bad. Rosie. Eric. This is my little friend. Lola. You a hoe. Nice to meet you Eric. My name's Lola. Lola. Smiles as Eric. Feels his heartbeat get a little faster looking at Lola. He doesn't speak or say anything for a couple of seconds as Rosie suggests they go inside. Rosie, come on guys. Let's go inside already. I'm hungry. Lola, you stupid bitch. I ain't even hungry. Rosie, why are you lying to yourself bitch? They all begin walking into Wendy's as the door closes behind them. The camera watches as they enter the place with Rosie and Lola. Taking the lead as Eric walks behind them. Eric smiles or tries to smile as they all walk up to the counter. Rosie, do you know what you want Eric? Eric, um, kind of. Lola, why a tuxedo shirt? Eric, I, is it ugly? Lola, no, I'm just curious. Eric, I wanted to feel fancy. Rosie, fancy? At a Wendy's? Same. I know what I want. Lola? Lola. I told you I don't want anything bitch. Rosie. So the usual? Lola. Yes please. I'll get the booth for us. Lola. Begins walking away as Eric. Looks at her walk away. Rosie. Begins ordering. Rosie. Um. Hi. Yes we'll have one baconator with fries. No salt. A six piece nugget with a side order of medium fries. And um, 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 what are they called? I forgot my glasses. It's like a frozen milkshake. Cashier. You mean frosty? Rosie. Yes. That's what it's called two of those. Cashier. Chocolate or vanilla? Rosie. One of each. Cashier. Okay $15.44. Rosie hands him a 20 as Eric barely stops looking at Lola and turns around to place his order. The cashier then hands Rosie the change as Eric is about to order. Cashier, welcome to Wendy's. How may I help you today on this fine day? Rosie begins walking away from view. Eric, I'll have a baconator with fries. Cashier, will this complete your order? Or would you like a frosty too? Eric. I'm. I think I'll pass on it. Cashier. You sure? They're good though. Eric. I'm sure. Cashier. Okay. That'll be $7.59. Eric. Here you go. Eric. Hands him a $10 bill. Cashier. Here's your change. Your food should be out soon. Your number is on the receipt. Lola comes into the scene as the cashier is about to hand Eric his change back. Cashier. Yes. Lola. My friend forgot to ask for a water cup for me.
can I have one? Please. Cashier. Yeah sure. No problem. The cashier reaches under the counter and hands Lola. A clear cup. Cashier. Here you go. Lola. Thank you. Eric. Gets his change and his cup and walks over the fountain with Lola. Lola. What are you thinking of getting? Eric. I'm thinking. Water. Lola. Really? Eric. Yeah. Lola. I was going to use this cup for root beer. You down to switch? Eric. Yeah sure. I've been trying to watch my weight anyways. Lola. Pours her root beer into the cup Eric. Traded with her. Eric. Then pours his water into the clear cup. They begin walking back to the table. Lola. Really? Eric. No but I wish I did. Lola. Haha. Same though. They take their seats at the booth with Rosie. Rosie. What are you all talking about? Lola. I was telling Eric. That I watch my weight. Rosie. I guess if starving is considered watching your weight. Lola. I eat. Believe me ho. I eat. Shut up Rose. Rosie. You know I hate when people call me Rose. Lola. Whatever Rosita. Rosie. Okay Lolita. They both burst out laughing with each other as Eric. Just smiles not knowing if he should laugh or stop whatever it is they are doing. Eric. You all okay? Rosie. We're good. I've known Lola. For almost two years. I think. Lola. You think it's been about two years? Shit I don't know either. It might be. Eric. Oh wow. Lola. I think we met in English class. The teacher was always moving me and during one of those times, I got seated next to Rosie. And well, we've been friends ever since. Eric. That's awesome. Lola. Who do you hang out with? The nerdy kids? Eric. I do have some nerdy friends. I have some geeky friends too. I also have some soccer friends. Lola. You're in soccer? Eric. Haha. <laughs> Number. I have a group of friends that are but no. I'm not. They're pros most of them. I was when I was a kid but I hated it. Ugh. I can't stand kicking a ball. Or throwing a ball. Any sport really. Rosie. I know exactly what you mean. Sports just aren't my thing. Lola. I like playing basketball. Rosie. But you suck. Lola. Doesn't mean I don't like playing damn haha. Eric. I used to play that too. I hated it. Well. I didn't hate it because it was hard. I just never knew how to play good you know. I've never been the athletic type. My proudest accomplishment in athletics is 3 push ups. Back to back. Rosie. I mean. That's something. I can't even do push-ups. Lola. We can barely do the girl push-ups. Rosie. Oh yeah your arm's broken so you can push up correctly haha. <laughs> I had forgotten. Lola. Why are you exposing me? I'm sure he'll find out that my arm is crooked eventually but you don't gots to do me like this girl. The cashier says a couple of orders. Rosie. Let's get the food Eric. Eric. Okay. Eric. Voice over. 
Now I'll be honest with myself. I don't know Rosie too well. If I said I did, I'd be lying. Her friend Lola. I've seen her at school a couple of times. She was part of the pretty group of girls. They all had style. They all knew about fashion. They had their own table. I can relate because my group of friends also had their own sections we were from different social circles. Her group wasn't part of the elites of the school but they dressed like they were. Eric and Rosie come back with the food and the three of them continue talking. Lola, Eric, I have to ask. I just have to ask. Eric, what's up? Lola, how did you come up with the creepy clown? Eric, I mean, I can't give myself all the credit. It would be nice to give myself all the credit but it wasn't all me. Rosie, did somebody help you? Eric, yeah, Gabby, she was one of close friends this past year and um, I actually had just met her this year and we got real close. Lola, you liked her? Eric, ha, huh. doesn't really matter. Lola, why? Eric, she's gone. She moved back to Chicago a couple of weeks ago. The shooting at school really did a number on some people. Luckily, Gabby wasn't directly hurt by the shooter but it was rough on her. It was rough on a lot of us. Rosie, it was all over the news that guy. We were actually on the national news. I heard the police took him down quickly. Lola, that's not what I heard. Rosie, what did you hear? Lola, I heard there was somebody in there with him when the police finally found him in the bathroom. He had a hostage in there with him. Rosie, where did you hear that? Lola, people talk Rosie. Eric, I think I heard that rumor too. I'm sure it was just a rumor. Rosie, you forgetting something else bitch. Lola, what did I forget? Lola, looks all around the table trying to figure out what she forgot. Lola, I didn't forget shit. A couple of seconds pass and then we see Lola. Remember what she forgot. Lola gets up from the table and goes to get something. She returns a couple of moments later with five sauces in her grasp. Lola, I remembered. Rosie, you remembered shit. I had to remind you. Lola, eat your baconator. Rosie, I will and I'm going to enjoy it so very much. Thanks. Lola, bye. Lola, then opens five packets of different sauces. One barbecue, one buffalo, one ranch, one sweet and sour, and one ketchup. She then gets all the pepper packets that were included in the bag and pours all of them on top of the ketchup sauce. Eric, looks on as she does all of that not knowing if it's weird or if it's awesome. Eric, also begins opening his burger as Rosie, already started eating as Lola, and Eric, prepare to dip into their food. Eric, why so many sauces? Lola, I like all these flavors and I can't just pick one, you know? Rosie, ask her about all that pepper on the ketchup haha. Eric, why did you put pepper on your ketchup? Lola, I think ketchup is too sweet. I like for it to have a bit of a bitter taste. Rosie, she's weird as fuck this girl. 
Lola. You're weird. Eric. I guess we're all a little weird. Lola. Same. Rosie. Something about this burger. You know? Eric. Taking a bite as Rosie. Has a bite in her mouth already. Eric. It's good. I can taste the grease in this burger. Rosie. Maybe that's what it is. The grease. Lola. Am I going to get a bite? Rosie. You said you weren't going to want any. Lola. Fine. What about a trade? Rosie. One bite for one nugget. Lola. Damn. Rosie. Yes or no? You know you want a bite. Lola. I get one big bite. Rosie. As big as your mouth opens if you want haha. Lola. So. Do you still talk to Gabby Eric? Eric. Sometimes. Really. I've only had this burger like one other time but I think it tastes better now than it did then. Gabby usually leaves me on read. I also leave her on read because it's not the same you know. She's adjusting to her life in Chicago and she'll make new memories and new friends. She'll forget about me but I hope she doesn't. Rosie. Was Gabby your girlfriend? Eric. No haha. Rosie. Oh. Well it's because you had mentioned her a couple of times and just thought she was your girlfriend. Eric. Sadly no. Lola. Did you want her to be your girlfriend? Eric. Maybe. I don't know. Lola. Dips each different bite of the nugget into a different sauce. Eric. Watches on almost in amazement. Why had he never thought of that? Lola. This girl went to school with us right? Eric. Yeah. She was a very beautiful creature. I just miss her all the time. All this talking about almost brings her back into my thoughts. Lola. I think I knew her. Rosie. You knew her? Lola. Yeah she has cute eyes and wore flip flops and she didn't use a backpack. Eric. Yeah. That's probably her. Gabby never liked using a backpack. She liked carrying her things against her chest. Lola. I'm the same way. Backpacks just EHH. I just don't like backpacks. I go to like 3 classes that I actually like and the rest are just like what is this class. My teacher would always get mad because I would always forget the book at home but I would never forget to get all dressed up. Eric. It always felt like a workout to have my backpack on. I already got enough weight on me. Why add more haha? Rosie. You're not that big. Lola. You're the good size. Eric. You guys really think that? Rosie. Yes of course. We all got our issues. I'm a husky girl myself. Lola. Insecurities. Eric. You have insecurities Lola? Lola. I'm literally the most insecure person I know. Rosie. She's literally the hardest person to deal with but she's awesome. She's just her own cup of tea haha. Lola. Her own cup of tea? What does that even mean? Eric. I think she means that you are unique or that you stand out in your own way. Lola. I guess it's a compliment then. Rosie. It is you crazy bitch. Lola. Haha. <laughs> Eric. You guys are something else. You know that? Lola. It takes a while to get adjusted to this haha. 
Fosho. Fosho. Eric. Voice over. She was a dream to look at. She was not your ordinary girl for sure either. She was different. Well at least she seems different. I just met her so how much could I really know about her? We finished eating our food and then my mom came to pick me up. They actually drove to Wendy's. That must be nice to have that freedom. I actually had a driver's permit for a while already but it had never occurred to me to drive. I had never bothered to ask but maybe I will. Eric's in the passenger seat with his mom at the driver's seat as he looks out the window. He sees a Wendy's sign in the distance as they drive away. The screen goes black. Scene 4. Finding George. 1.41pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens up with George. In the back of a van being driven by a big guy who has a jacket that is about one size too small. It's Bernard who we have met a handful of times. Looks like he's alive after that swing in the head at the bathroom diner in volume 1. George, hey, big fella, Bernard, you're awake, already? George, yeah I'm awake, was I drugged? Bernard, no you weren't drugged. George, where am I? Bernard, here and there, we'll be there soon. Just sit quietly, I don't want to have to stop the vehicle. George, Looks around and reaches for a tire iron but he can't reach it. He's struggling to reach it. George, you work for Mike. I'm assuming. Bernard. Who George? Black. Mr. Black. Bernard. Yeah, yeah Mr. Black. He demands our respect you son of a bitch. He hates being called Mike. He hates it. Almost as much as I hate crab. George, you hate crab. Bernard. I despise it. Disgusting long looking legs. I can't stand it. George, what about the smell? Bernard, ugh, don't even get me started. The smell is the worst. Right after they're made, ugh. It gives me a headache just imagining it. George, you have some kind of trauma with crab buddy? Bernard, no, no, well, sort of, kinda. I never had good experiences with it. It was there at my mother's wedding. And then again in my sister's wedding. Almost every big party I can remember had it and they weren't the best parties. Or the best vibes. You know? George grabs a hold of the tire iron. He is barely able to reach it and grab hold of it as Bernard doesn't notice or at least acts like he didn't notice. George then thinks for a second as he holds the tire iron. He can't throw it to the big fella because he's too far. He tries to cut the rope with a sharp edge and he succeeds after much avail. As soon as the rope is cut, Bernard catches on and immediately hits the brakes on the van sending George. Flying forward hitting his head on the windshield. George falls back to the ground dazed a bit from the hit. Bernard then steps out of the van and walks to the back of the van. He lifts George's unconscious body and ties him up with both his feet this time so he can't even stand up anymore as the rope isn't long enough. 
Bernard then closes the back of the van as George's cell phone slips out of his pocket and lands on the roadway. He continues driving as we now are only tracking a partial location but the exact location or address will be unknown. The shot changes to show Alejandro and company arrive outside of a house. They surround the house as they all get in formation. John walks up the steps as Alejandra follows right behind him and all the men follow right behind them with their guns in the air. They look all around and come up with nothing. The only noise in the house is the TV that's on with no signal. Only static noises are heard coming from that television. Alejandra. Anything? Anybody? John. Clear. Villarreal's man 1. Clear. Villarreal's men 2. Clear. Alejandra. Why did the signal lead here? Alejandra. Walks over to a coat rack. He reaches for a coat that looks familiar. Alejandra. Oh. He took off his jacket and hung it up. John. Whose house is this anyways? Alejandra. It looks familiar. Find out who this house is registered to. That could lead us to wherever he could be hiding. John. Let me call Villarreal. Alejandra. And several of the men begin walking down the hallways. Alejandra. Walks into the kitchen and takes a look around. He sees just how clean the house is. Cleaner than most houses. Almost as if the house had a butler or a maid to clean it constantly. The camera follows John. Outside of the house as he closes the door behind himself. John. We hit a dead end Villarreal. Villarreal. So did we. John. Tell me you're joking. Villarreal. Do I look like someone who is joking? The phone signal ended in the middle of the roadway. We made several turns and finally somebody saw it lying in the middle of the road. It hadn't gotten run over yet but it's here. John. We got tracked to a house but Alejandra wants you to find out what you can about the house owner. Villarreal. Give me the address and I'll tell you everything you need to know about the house. John. Hold up. Let me go check. Villarreal. Black. Went in the opposite direction for some reason. He drops off his jacket at this house. The other last location for George's phone was 30 miles in the complete opposite direction which is where we are right now. Frisa. What are you thinking? Villarreal. Maybe he'll take this route. I don't believe wherever he is going is much further than this. I remember his license plate. The trackers are a lost cause now but we still something to go on. Frisa. Maybe the owner of that blue navy car and the owner of the house are the same? Villarreal. It's a possibility. Antonio. Do you have spikes to stop a car in your trunk sheriff? Villarreal. Always. You never know when you might need them. John. I got the address. You have a pen? Villarreal. Fuck. Hold on. I have one in my car. The scene changes to show Villarreal. Walking to his car on the side of the road. Antonio. Frisa. Along with others stand on the side of the long road looking both ways. Scene 5. The unexpected dinner. 7.04pm. The 16th of June 2014. 
The scene starts off with Eric, wearing another tuxedo shirt. This shirt is not the same shirt he had on before. He also appears to be wearing a brown hat for some reason. The outfit doesn't really match but in his eyes he feels like it does. He's not one for fashion taste but he likes it that way. He doesn't conform for what society feels he should wear or for what he should like. He enters the restaurant with a little bit of confidence. He looks around the place looking for somebody. He sees Lola and Rosie sitting down at a table already eating their food. Lola is the first to notice and she loudly shouts. Lola, hey, we're over here. Eric gets a little red from being called out. He smiles as best as he can and walks toward the table. Rosie and Lola smile at him. Eric, what's up? Rosie, I like your shirt. Lola, the hat um, it's um, it stands out. Definitely stands out. Why Eric? I was aiming to stand out. Lola, are you an attention whore? Rosie, I think I'm an attention whore sometimes. Not always but sometimes. I just love talking about me, you know? Lola, I think you have a problem and you need to stop drinking. Rosie, bitch, I don't drink. Lola, well, well, then stop please. You're worrying me, Eric. I wanted to say thanks for inviting me. Why'd you all invite me? Rosie, we just think you're cool you know? Cool to hang out with. Eric, you guys think I'm cool? Lola, you're the creepy clown. You got almost everyone talking about you at school. You are definitely cool. Eric, you guys are cool too haha. I can still taste the Wendy's. Rosie, same. Wendy's always hits the spot. Lola, there's only a few things than Wendy's. The server then brings Eric. A plate of food a couple of minutes later. Eric, you can't be serious. That sucks. A lot. Rosie, it really happened. Eric, that's so embarrassing haha. Lola, I don't know why my tragedies are gossiped for you to spread. Rosie, oh shut up and just laugh along. Lola, you're laughing with her Eric? Eric, well, I'm not laughing at you. Rosie, yeah, we're not laughing at you Lola, we're laughing with you. Lola, I thought you were one of the good ones but you're one of those. Eric, one of those what haha? Lola, you're just one of those. Rosie, shut up. Eric, do you have a snapchat Lola? Lola, yes. Why? Eric, well, add me since we're friends now. Lola. I guess we are friends now since Rosie over here is exposing me haha. Eric. Voice over. She added me back and we constantly texted. It was always laughs with them. Nobody ever got bored when we all hung out. I had never seen sad sides of them until eventually I did. I had never had another girl cry in front of me in my life. The only crying I remember was my sister but even then I didn't know how to handle it. Gabby would maybe once or twice get sad over FaceTime but she never cried in front of me. I could never handle emotions well so I'm glad she didn't. 
I know I don't mention it enough but I still remember being frozen against the bathroom wall with Robert. I never had hatred against Robert and I never will but if I had stepped up to the occasion sooner, maybe things could have been different. I vowed for every day after that, that I wouldn't let life pass me by again. If I needed to push back or fight back, I would. My feelings and my emotions were some of the things I needed to push back and allow them to flow out. I'm not saying to break down and roll up into a ball but just to be human when another human cries and breaks down in front of you. That time was coming but I just didn't know it. Scene 6. The License Plate. 7.29pm. The 3rd of October 2049. We open up to Mr. Black. In the passenger seat of a navy blue Chevy, the camera shows black, sitting back relaxed, too relaxed. His cell phone vibrates loudly on his lap. He raises it to his ear and answers. The sun in the background can be seen already reaching its peak as darkness is less than an hour away. Black, hello. The plague. Is everything under control? Black, everything is under control. No need to worry. The plague. Last thing we need is Don Alejandro. Finding you or George. He may not find you but is there any way he may possibly find George? Black. I um. I handed George's phone to one of my guys. The plague. Did you ever stop to think that he may trace the fucking line? Black. Oh shit. Let me call my guy. I'll call you back. The plague. Handle it. The call ends. Black. Begins frantically dialing as they approach a line of at least three cars on the roadway. Black. What the fuck is this? Black's man 3. Looks like a checkpoint. Black. They never have them way out here. The phone call between Bernard and Black. Begins. Black. Bernard. Bernard. Yes Mr. Black. Black. Have you all made it home already? Bernard. Yes sir. Black. I need you to destroy George's phone immediately. Bernard. Oh thank god. Black. What the fuck do you mean by that? Bernard. It slipped out of my hand about 15 minutes before I got here. That was like 2 hours ago. I'm guessing when I got out of the van and tied his ass down again. I searched for it all around the van. I even searched George but didn't find shit. Black. Fuck. Fuck. Bernard. Yeah there's a speed limit sign right before I stopped on the side of the road. Black. Looks up as there is now only one vehicle ahead of them needing to speak with a police officer. He spots the speed limit sign a couple of feet in front of them on the right. Black. And his driver are the next vehicle to approach the checkpoint. Black. Hangs up the phone call. The officer. Looks into the vehicle. Officer. 1. How are you doing today folks? Mr. Black. Not so great. Not great at all. Floor it. Go. This is a fucking trap. Black's drive begins stepping on the pedal as they reach a speed limit of 40 miles per hour. The officer. Stands with his hands on his side smiling as they continue driving. We then see him enter a black, unmarked car on the side of the road. Marco, 
and Antonio prepare to throw the spikes. Frisa and Villarreal each have their guns out. They see the navy car approaching. Frisa, wager, Villarreal. How much? Frisa, 100 bucks, Villarreal. You're on. Both Frisa and Villarreal each take several shots at the car as the loud gun noises are nothing compared to both Antonio and Marco, throwing the spikes about 500 feet away from them. The blue navy car steps over the spikes and continues driving as the rims scratch and keep going until one of the rims pops out of its socket and the car comes screeching to a stop. Black. Fuck. The scene changes to show Villarreal and Frieza, with their guns to their sides but still ready to shoot at any moment's notice. Villarreal. We got him. The camera goes ahead down the road slowly and shows Marco and Antonio now each of them having their guns as they approach the car in the distance. Marco. We got the asshole. The scene changes to inside of the navy blue Chevy destroyed car. Mr. Black. Let's go. Help me out of here. Black's man then helps Black. Get out of the car and they begin running into the unknown woods as Villarreal. And company get closer and closer to them. Black's man. You okay boss? Mr. Black. No. But I haven't been okay for a while already. What about you? Black's man. I got a gunshot in my arm but it's only a flesh wound. The old bastard and Alejandro's bitch shot at us. I saw them from the corner of my eye behind us back there. It's been. It's been a couple of years since I've been shot in this area. Mr. Black. Flesh wounds aren't that bad. Imagine having a fucking hole in your hand. A noise is heard but they are unsure if it's near or if it's far. They approach several trees in the area as they continue getting away on foot. Black's man. I don't have that much ammo boss. Mr. Black. How many? How many do you got? Black's man. I got about 7 bullets. All of our ammo was in the car. Mr. Black. I got exactly 12 bullets. They'll surround us. They'll take us alive if we're lucky. Black's man. How did they even find us? Mr. Black. Georgia's cell phone I'm guessing. Bernard accidentally let it slip out of his pocket on the side of the road right where we got shot at. They made the checkpoint assuming we'd pass by. Black's man. And we did. Mr. Black. At least they won't find George. With what they have. Maybe somebody saw the license plate at the diner. The old sheriff. Bastard that he is. No doubt read it. He has eyes like a fucking eagle. Always has. Black's man. We're fucked. Aren't we? Pow. Black's man goes down instantly as we see someone holding the weapon that fired the gunshot. We see it was Frieza. Who fired the gunshot right into Black's man's head as Mr. Black. Just stands there. Villarreal. Fires another two shots into Black's man as the man stayed still the entire time since Frieza. Nailed the first shot as the kill shot. Black. Continues holding his gun up and makes a slow 360 turn around the crowd begins surrounding him. 
Freezer walks closer with her gun still held up as Villarreal, Marco, Antonio and a handful of his officers surround Mike while pointing their guns at him. Villarreal. I always liked the idea of a firing squad. Mr. Black. You son of a bitch. Freezer. Throw me your gun. Now. Mr. Black. I only have one fucking hand. Take whatever you want from me. Do your worst assholes. The best is still yet to come. Black. Then reaches for his gun and throws it towards Freezer. Mike. Looks all around him and knows what's next. He knows what awaits him. Marco. Grabs Mike's gun as they all hold their weapons still pointed at him. The camera shows everyone smiling and happy now that Mr. Black. Is finally captured. The only look we haven't seen is Alejandro's when he hears that Mr. Black. Has been caught dead to rights. Frieza's phone starts ringing loudly as she contemplates whether to answer it or not. Frieza. Damn it. She raises the phone to her ear. Frieza. Hello? Woman. No audio available. Frieza. Chest pains? Is she? Is she going to be okay? Woman no audio available. Frieza. Okay. Okay. I'll be there as soon as possible. Woman. No audio available. Frieza. I'm at work. I'm, I'm in and the middle of something. Keep me updated but I'll be there as soon as I can. Love you. Bye. The call ends as black. Smiles and laughs. Frieza. Then puts her phone down as everyone continues pointing their guns at black. The camera pans back and up at an angle slowly. The screen goes black. Scene 7. The part Chevy. 1.49pm. The 18th of June 2014. We see Eric. Sitting on his couch watching TV in his house. He sits laughing and almost at peace just by simply watching TV. He could never get bored of watching TV. His phone starts ringing on the counter. Eric. Hello? Caller. Eric? The voice says almost breaking. Eric. Lola? Lola. Hi. What are? What are you doing? Eric. Just watching TV. Is everything okay? Lola. I am. No. It's not okay. Eric. You want to talk about it? We can talk. Lola. I just texted my other friends and none of them can come pick me up. I don't want to be here right now. Eric. Well. My dad's truck is here. Lola. So you can't come pick me up? Eric. I'm not supposed to get it. Lola. Oh. Well that's okay. Thanks Eric. Bye. The call ends. Eric. Lola. Lola. Hello. Eric. Voice over. I have never been one to go against the rules but this was my friend Lola. We were talking about and she needed a friend. She needed somebody to comfort her. I'm sure my dad would understand. He might get mad and make a big deal out of it. I've always been the kind of person to help his friend in need. It's not right to do things like take my dad's truck without his permission. A friend needs help. Decisions decisions. Wait. I know what to do. Let me call my guy. He'll know what to do. Eric. 
dials a number to make a phone call. Jerry, hey, Eric, I got a little problem. Jerry, just pull out bro it's not worth it. Eric, not that kind of problem. Jerry, shit, why can't those be our problems? Eric, I got a big problem and I need your help. I needed to hear a friend's opinion. I have this other friend who is feeling sad and the only way I can help them is by going to speak to them in person. The only vehicle I got is my dad's truck which he says I'm not supposed to use. Should I go help my friend? Jerry, who's this friend? He sounds whack as fuck. If he's sad, just tell him to call me and I'll make him laugh a little and help with his sadness. Eric. It's not a he, it's a girl. Jerry, Gabby needs you to see her. She moved to Chicago bro. She isn't worth the gas money. She was pretty don't get me wrong. You say she has cute feet. I'm just not a feet guy myself. Maybe that makes her more pretty to you. I don't know but my suggestion is just stay home. Fuck her for leaving. Eric. Wait what? Haha. <laughs> Not Gabby man. It's my new friend Lola. I thought Gabby was cool and everything but I wouldn't drive all the way to Chicago and risk getting in trouble for that. I'd have to be real stupid to do something like that. Jerry, send a pic real quick and I'll let you know if you should go help her and take the truck. Eric. A little weird but okay. Eric. Sends Lola's profile picture from Twitter to Jerry. Jerry's phone beeps momentarily. Eric. Did you see it? Jerry. Lola. I've seen her at school. She's your friend? Eric. Yeah. Jerry. When did you become friends with this hottie? Hell yeah. Hellion man. Go pick her up and be her shoulder to cry on right now. Girls love that shit. Go. Just go. Eric. What about my dad? What if he gets mad? Jerry, fuck what your dad thinks. You needed to help a hottie. Just go right now. Let me know how it goes. Bye. The call ends. Eric. Voice over. My dad typically hid the key so no one would get the truck but I knew where he kept them. I grabbed them and without a moment's hesitation. I turned on the truck. My dad had two trucks. He had a Chevy and he had a Ford. He took the Ford to work that day so I had the pleasure of taking the Chevy out for a spin that day. I had taken driver's ed almost a year ago so I knew what it was like to drive. I called Lola. And she told me where she lived. It turned out she lived a couple of streets away luckily. She almost came running to the white truck as I pulled into her street. Lola. Drive Eric. Just drive. Eric. Voice over. So I did. I must have driven about 5 whole minutes around the nearby streets and through neighborhoods before she spoke a word to me. Eric. What's wrong Lola? Lola. What isn't wrong? I hate the life that I live. I hate it. Why did I have to be poor? Why couldn't my family had stayed rich all these years? Eric. You used to be rich. Lola, I used to have my own playroom when I was a kid but now I share a room with two of my sisters. I'm the baby out of all of them. 
there's my lesbian sister who bitches all the time and then there's my other sister who is a walking definition of a bitch. Let's not forget my dad who is always embarrassing me out in public and doesn't listen to a word I say. I tell him don't buy this, don't do this and he does it. The only person who tries to understand me is my mom. She's probably the only person in that little place that even cares at all about me. Eric. Oh. Lola. I'm sorry Eric. I know I don't know you that well but I feel like I can't trust you and tell you all this. Rosie. Is the same way like this but worse. She's in therapy and she does feel a little better but she doesn't feel a whole lot better because she withholds information from the therapist. She doesn't tell him the whole truth of things. She's only getting a bit of help when she could be making much more progress if she were more honest about things with her. I used to go to therapy myself. Eric. Why did you go to therapy? Lola. When my dad went to jail. Eric. Your dad went to jail? Lola. He went to jail for like 3 years. Yep. Eric. Can I ask? Why? Lola. He was a drug smuggler. Eric. Oh. Okay. Lola. He smuggled the drugs from Mexico into the United States. He had his life made. We had our life made. We had a big beautiful house that any regular person would envy. I used to have my own room and my own playroom. Everything was great up until he got arrested and gave everyone else up. He got sent to jail and my mom had never worked a day in her life. She had to take on a job working at a laundromat. I'll whine and complain that we live in a shitty apartment but we lived in a shittier one while my dad was locked up. He got a job about a year ago in the oil rigs and I just wonder where all the money goes. He probably wastes it. My mom says my dad has money but we don't see it so who knows. Eric. I'm sorry that things aren't as good as they used to be. Lola. That's what everyone always says. Eric. Life will get better. Lola. They always say that too. Eric. Well. I. Lola. I don't expect you to know what to say Eric. Ha. Huh. No one ever knows what to say to that. I just wanted to be heard. I just wanted someone to hear me complain. You probably think I'm so ungrateful. I sound like I'm ungrateful. I feel like I'm ungrateful. My only saving grace these past few years has been Rosie. She's messed up a little too. Eric. I think we're all a little messed up. It's what makes us human. Lola. How could you be messed up? Look at this truck. It looks brand new. Is your dad a smuggler too haha? Eric. No haha. He's not. Lola. What does he do? Eric. He works in hydraulics. Lola. What's that? Like the cars that go up and down? Eric. Nobody ever knows what that means. Lola. So what does he do? Eric. I don't really knows what he does. All I know is that he fixes things. Lola. Have you ever worked with him? Eric. I've worked a couple of times with him. Lola. You would think you would have some kind of idea of what your dad does. Eric. I just don't really talk to my dad much you know. 
Lola. Yeah, me neither. My dad's always working. When he's not working, he's here complaining about something. He's either yelling at my sisters or my mom and it's just a lot to take in. I hate it when he yells. Eric. I don't think I've ever heard my dad yell. Lola. Then you're lucky. My dad is the type that will yell right in your face. Eric. That's terrible. Lola. You get used to it when you're a rebel like me. Eric. You're the rebel? Lola. Nope. AI I wish though. I wish I gave zero fucks about things but I care too much about what people think of me. About what people could say about me. I wish I didn't care so much you know. Eric. Yeah. A little. Haha. <laughs> Lola. A little is more than nothing haha. <laughs> Eric. I'm in the mood for a little frap. Do you want to come with me? Lola. From where? McDonald's? Eric. From Starbucks? Lola. I think that place is overhyped. Eric. Maybe it is but it's still good. Lola. I'd be down. But I didn't bring money. Eric. Oh don't worry about that. I can pay. Lola. Really? Are you sure? I can get money. Eric. No really. I insist on buying it for you. It sounds like... It sounds like you could use a little coffee in your life. Lola. Yeah, maybe. A little cafecito like my mom says. Eric. You more of a hot or an iced? Lola. I would have to say, iced. Eric. Me too. I'm an iced kind of person. We're both iced kind of people. Lola. Laughs and even smiles a little as Eric. Continues driving on his way to get them coffee. Eric. Grips the wheel a little tighter as his hands begin sweating from the consequences of his dad finding out that he took the truck without asking for permission but he takes Jerry's advice and believes it as if Jerry were the smartest person in the world. The screen goes black. Slowly fading on the two of them. Scene 8. Mike's Burial. Epilogue. The 28th of November 2048. George. Swings the door closed as he walks back to Mr. Black's grave. He unlocks his phone and he browses his phone and begins playing What's Up by four non-blondes. George, this song, this song, is one of very few songs that brings me to a total peace inside. I don't have much peace. For the longest time, I never thought I'd experience peace. He hums the song a bit as if almost forgetting why he came over in the first place. He turns around quickly thinking he heard something. He reaches for his gun and looks around slowly and doesn't appear to see anything. George, best case scenario, that was a deer. Worst case scenario, that was a bear or a wolf. Haha, <laughs> a deer sounds nicer than it being a fucking bear or a fucking wolf. Shit. Haha, <laughs> it could've been a bunny or something little. He lowers his gun and places it back on his side. George, I guess I could go for another one since the other one burned out. He reaches for his lighter in his pocket and lights up the Sega game as the music continues playing. He begins to walk back and forth on top of where Mr. Black's grave lies. George, 
There's a lot of memories at this warehouse. I've buried a couple of bodies near here by myself before. He inhales the cig and then blows a huge cloud of smoke into the air. He lowers the volume of the music as he puts it into his pocket. The song can still be heard in the background as there was almost complete silence earlier. George, do you know how many people I've killed Mike? Do you know how many people I've killed Mr. Black? Whatever your fucking name is. I've never been one to shy from killing somebody except for a handful of times. Very few times that I was able to hold back the monster inside of me. He pauses for a few seconds as he inhales and appreciates that cigarette. George, I was asked to kill a 16 year old up and comer. That was probably the hardest one I've ever had to do. I left him there shot down in the street like a damn dog. I'll never forget that. I never could. He was. He was just a child. But he needed to be put down. He was causing problems and sticking his neck where it didn't belong. He was just a kid trying to survive. Somebody should have taught that kid right from wrong you know? Somebody needed to let them know that we meant business. I was the one sent to finish the job. I followed him for a couple of days. I needed to know his routines you know. He would walk every night up and down the same neighborhood. It wasn't the nicest neighborhood in town so I had to be cautious. He pauses and continues after a few seconds of silence. The only thing heard is the song lowly in the background. George, I remember I started walking up and down that same neighborhood for a couple of nights just to make sure it was him walking. I would jog. I was always jogging because I hated fucking walking for fun. Ugh. Jogging was nice. Well anyways, I eventually got the perfect opportunity. I struck him after I helped the poor kid up from falling off his scooter. He must have loved that scooter. The kid. I remember shooting him and walking away. I saw. I saw the pool of blood around him. After a few seconds, I proceeded to run towards my truck. I then quickly drove towards the dead boy and threw him into the truck. It was even my truck haha. It was. It was a buddy's truck. He pauses and then leans against the shovel stuck in the ground. George, his death was like almost many before him. I brought him back to a deserted area and I had already dug out the hole for him and I. I dropped him inside. I dropped his lifeless body in the hole. Now I didn't feel bad for killing him. I felt bad because he was young. He's the youngest person I've ever killed. I am. Um, I almost cried myself. Almost cried as I threw the dirt over him. I'm not a man of many emotions but he got to me. This kid got to me. He pauses speaking and takes the shovel out of the ground and lifts it up and places it on his shoulder. George, he needed to be put down. I did what I had to do. I didn't fully believe that he had to be put down because he was just a kid that one. He had a life and maybe he wouldn't have cleaned up his act and been something good. We'll never know. Will we? I had to kill a kid but Don Alejandra decides to just bury you alive? How? What the fuck? Why didn't he put two caps in your ass and make sure you were dead? He, 
How could he do that? Why would he do that hug? What's his fucking problem? You know what I want? I want to open this fucking grave and shoot you twice in the head so you never come back. I want to make sure you are dead under all this fucking dirt. Believe me when I tell you that if I could, I would you piece of shit. Another pause but with an inhale of the smoke from the cigarette. He then aggressively sticks the shovel into the ground repeatedly as it sticks into the ground when he's done. He then fixes his hair since it got everywhere. George, unfortunately, I don't answer to myself. I answer to the Don. The Don Alejandra. Goldemez is my fucking hero you know. Well now you know. I admire that man so much. He has been almost like a father to me that one. I'm glad he found me when he did. I'll forever be grateful to him for everything he's done for me. I would. More like I could never go against what he says. I may be upset for him not going the full measure but hey. He's the Don. He's the Don and what he says. Goes. He. I guess I'll have to do something else to release all this. This. Frustration. George. Can be seen unbuckling his pants slowly. George. I hope you like piss you sick son of a bitch. George. Then unbuckles his pants as he begins urinating on top of Mike's grave. The stream flows as George sighs in ecstasy. The sound can be heard hitting the ground for a couple more seconds as George holds the cigarettes in his mouth. George, every last fucking drop, bitch. We then see him then buckling his pants back and he says some final words before he walks away. George. I do hope you die slowly in that fucking grave but if somehow, someway, you come back, well, looks like I'll have to do what the Don should have done in the first place. George, then walks back slowly against the night towards his car. We hear every step he takes as he approaches his car. He then enters his car and begins driving away. We see a zoomed out view that shows him accelerate his car as he approaches the actual road. We then get taken back to the grave where we see four bright lights shining in the distance. The lights get closer and closer as we hear them press on the pedal harder and harder stopping right before the gravesite. They keep their headlights on as the, the doors begin opening. We see several of his men along with a black figure step out of the back seat. Slowly begins walking towards the grave the plague. The men begin digging and digging as the plague. Stands over them. The screen goes black. 